everyone. Welcome back to How to Activism, part two of my, or of me and Ananya's um, guide on just dealing with relationships with coalitions and with adults. Um, kind of the three scariest words to youth activists. <laughs> um, but yes, okay, so Ananya, um, do you want to introduce yourself again to people who didn't listen to part one? Sure. Um, my name is Ananya Singh. I'm based in New Jersey. I'm 16 years old. I'm a senior in high school right now. And I'm the CEO of the youth-led nonprofit organization called Greening Forward. Uh, and Greening Forward is, our mission is to empower youth leaders in the environmental movement by providing them resources. Like uh, we offer micro grants of up to $750. Uh, we also convene youth um, through trainings and events and we also um, work on we really work on advocating for youth voice in the environmental movement which is definitely what we're going to talk a lot more about today in this episode Uh, the other main thing that I do is in New Jersey I'm the partnerships coordinator for an org called the New Jersey Student Sustainability Coalition and we're a statewide network of high school college and some middle school students um, working to just have more sustainability in our schools across the state so basically you're super cool (laughs) okay um so let's dive into the first thing that we want to talk about this episode youth adult partnerships specifically we've been talking a lot about um different types of partnerships um being empathetic and sympathetic when you're working with people um of different like classes and race and age um and gender and we talked about good relationship building techniques in general um but i think we should acknowledge the elephant in the room um, and the hardest mm-hmm. relationship to build which is youth adult partnerships mm-hmm. yeah so youth adult partnerships are so tricky there's just like so much to dive into around this um because there's just like so much at play yeah. uh, and i think tying it back like there's obviously no one clear answer whether it's this kind of partnership or another partnership, like everything is messy. <laughs> but there's also a lot of resources that I feel like a lot of young people don't really know about, um, especially like a lot of the people who I, know, I work with today in the activist field, people who have gotten involved in this most recent wave of activism. Um, they just don't really know that there's all this research out there. But I've, I've done a little bit of work with this organization called the National Youth Leadership Council. Uh, it's nylc.org. And, what and we'll link it really... below for people listening. <laughs> but go yeah. ahead. So their, their main things are kind of service learning, uh, youth voice, and like education equity. And so I, I got to learn so much about what youth voice even means and what an effective youth adult partnership is Um, and I learned about like the research like the academic research that's actually been done as well as like some of the different tools that have been developed um, and the frameworks and some of the organizations that are kind of key players in this and sometimes this gets looped in with like children's rights and like I don't know just different there's different terminologies around this but it's a really cool like I've just found it so fascinating that there's like there are other people who do a lot of thinking about youth adult partnerships and like that dynamic. No, it was totally like a bubble bursting moment for me when you were telling me about this before we started recording. I was like, there's studies on this? There's science on this? What? Yeah. Which is just like, 
so cool. Um, and so some of the orgs, some of the, like the resources in the orgs that I can point you towards, um, if there's any listeners who want to learn more about this, we'll definitely put them in the links. But there's a really cool tool called the Rod- Roger's Hearts Ladder of Participation. And this exists in many forms, but it's kind of this, it's this ladder, this visual that goes from the bottom, which is the levels. It goes from, I feel like I'm going to, I'm going to pull it up so I don't mess it up. Uh, but it goes from manipulation. It starts, yeah, okay. It starts with manipulation, decoration, which are not levels of participation. This is when, you know, young people are just kind of being used. Um, and then it goes up towards higher levels, which are like young people being assigned but informed, consulted. Um, and then the highest levels up there are when there are adult-initiated but shared decision-making with youth um, or youth-initiated and directed or um, the top level of Hart's Ladder, the way he designed it was youth-initiated but shared decision-making with adults. And this was kind of like a very big... It was really... um, It was a really cool moment to learn about this for the first time because it gave this visual and it gave me this language that I never really knew existed before. Um, and it kind of showed me that a lot of the experiences that I'd been ex- going through as a youth activist were actually not really that meaningful um, on the scale of adult partnerships when it was laid out just like that. Um, and I'd realized that I'd actually been tokenized uh, a good amount of the time. And I, there's like so much more that is possible when it comes to a partnership like that. You can have a really good working relationship where you do have this great, you have like, you do have like shared distribution and where young people's voices actually have a say in the matter. So I just thought that was like, first of all, like there's this whole like, like, trove of research that you can dive into and like all these toolkits and guides and webinars and so many like resources and there's also this like once you learn about this it's like you can start advocating in a more sophisticated way and you can like you have things to turn to so it's not just your experience as a young person feeling unvalidated but it's these like adults who've proven this which is kind of funny that you need an adult to prove uh, your validity as a youth no yeah I think there's I think with every youth activist who enters activism like the first thing that they feel is just sort of like awe that like they're they're given anything and like even tokenization can be viewed Mm -hmm. as like validation basically um and so I think there's just this massive inferiority complex of like I don't mm-hmm. feel valid or I don't feel worthy of any of this. So anything you give me is great or anything you give me is fair or anything you ask me to do is like, is fair to me, I guess. Um, exactly. Which is such a bummer, <laughs> honestly, mm-hmm. because youth activists yeah. are so important and, and they're just, they're, they're sometimes sadly just sort of like taken, not taken for granted, but, but not given full I guess like equality within the activism world absolutely yeah because like 
especially when young people are just like new to activism and then they don't have a lot of prior experiences and assumptions to make um and they there's still young people like often get really fired up when they're first getting started and they just have a lot of energy and passion um and so like that can really be taken advantage of um and you see that happen like i want to say like i don't want to scare people (laughs) but you see that happen a lot um and even when it comes to political work and, like, political campaigns, yes. um, like, the work of interns, yes. unpaid interns. Yes, yes, yes. I was just going to bring this up. Um, I think it's so mm-hmm. important to pay interns. There's, like, this viral photo. Or it was a viral video of, I think it was AOC, and then I think it was... I, actually, I can't remember. I think it was her whole squad, but I'm not fully sure. And they were, like, asked mm-hmm. the reporters, they were, like, do you pay your interns? And AOC was, like, of course I do. Experience doesn't pay the bills. And I think that's, like, so, exactly. so important. <laughs> that, like, you may think that, like, and, and this is more directed at adults, but, like, you may think that, like, having, like, a child, like, giving a teenager anything, like, whether that's a small internship, whether that's, like, anything on your campaign or part of your organization or, like, whatever it is, like, you may think that that's so generous of you and like you're giving them like quote like real world experience but like experience doesn't pay the bills and a Mm -hmm. lot of times those kids are at least for me like I have made the decision to go to a strike or um volunteer or do something like that like instead of babysitting or instead of doing like something else and I think that they're like kids and and it, it sounds kind of corny to say it but like a like everyone should be paid for their work or i think corny isn't mm-hmm. the right word but i don't know anyone everyone should be paid for their work and especially teenagers yeah. like people who i okay i was actually literally walking down the street and i heard this couple's conversation um a couple weeks ago and this guy was like oh like why should i they, they were debating minimum wage and they were he was saying like why should i be paying some teenager who's still living with his parents 15 dollars an hour um and as some people might know, like $15 an hour was just legalized and passed in Seattle a couple of years mm-hmm. ago. Um, and it was like, well, because like that kid isn't just like, like they don't need it for rent. Like if that's the, the context that you're looking at it in, but they need it in like the sense where they're saving up for college or I think, I think, or they're maybe like financially obligated to support their parents in some way. Or like mm-hmm. there's so many, there's so many ways that kids do actually need and deserve money. Um, for the work that they're doing and giving to you, because if an adult was doing this, they would be compensated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because think of the barriers you're creating then to people yeah. who want to get involved. Um, and like, it's so hard to compete with other people who have had this prior experience um, if you haven't and you haven't had the the privilege to be able to do it. So whenever people like, like I guess mostly adults when they'll they'll praise people like me and be like, oh my gosh, like you're so amazing, like look at all this amazing work that you're doing um I guess my first response is just like it's such a privilege um no it is it like really just... is no I totally want to acknowledge like I have had situations where I've had to choose between like babysitting or like working of some kind and doing activism and I've been able to like very fortunately and like privilege privileged <laughs> if that's a word yeah um been able to do the activism or go to the protests or like whatever it is and I think I think it's really important to acknowledge that, like, also, like, if you're having some kind of problem, like, if you, like, examine your campaign staff or, like, you examine your volunteer base and it is, like, mostly white people, if it's mostly, like, old white people, like, at least my experience um, volunteering last year for a congressional campaign house that, or for a woman who was trying to flip um, 
a House of Representatives seat blue in the midterms is like everyone that went to volunteer were just kind of like old retired ladies. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I think that's like a lot of activism in general because um, they're retired and they're able to dedicate, like they're able to show up. They're not, they don't have to go to work. Yeah, they, they don't have, have to do anything time. like that. Exactly. Um, and so if you really want like a diverse coalition, if you want a diverse space, if you want a diverse campaign and supporters like you need to make sure everything is accessible and that can be payment but that can also just be like what time you decide to hold your meetings like exactly if you hold your meetings at 2 p.m on a thursday like people who are working or going to school like no one no one can go to that (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah and it's like there's so many other things like that that you can think about like there's often a lot of, like, technology, like, barrier gaps between, like, different generations. Mm-hmm. Um, we could talk about this more later, but, um, like, think about, like, having a meeting in person all the time. Like, mm-hmm. that doesn't work for all the young people. Yeah. Um, and that's why we organize on, like, video calls all the time. Zoom. Zoom, Zoom, <laughs> <Right>? Zoom. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Zoom and Slack, the holy yes. <laughs> duo oh. of you organizing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. And it's, like, that's just, like, it's, like, kind of this huge, like, gap um, that exists there. And also, also it's, like, having childcare and having, yeah. like, food at your meetings mm-hmm. and things like that. If you're trying to get, like, you know, real working people um, in the – having to have a seat at the table. And it's also, like, definitely putting your money where your mouth is. And, like, if you have the money, like, you better pay your young people. Yeah. No, I, I cannot agree with all of that more. Mm-hmm. It's so important. Yeah, want to talk about generational gaps? <laughs> yes, let's do it. <laughs> okay, so this whole topic we want to talk about basically in light of the okay boomer joke, which led to <laughs> actually, like, I cannot tell you. Okay, so, like, the whole thing broke, I guess you could say. Like, the news story broke around okay boomer, and, like, the TikTok went viral. I think it was, like, two or maybe three weeks ago. And, like, at this point, I think I've had five people or six people like older people than me like either call me or just straight up ask me in person they're like can you explain the okay boomer joke to me and then as a follow-up can you explain tiktok to me oh my goodness and i think it's i think it's really funny and i think it's i'm really glad that it's being actually talked about as much as it is um but i think there's a lot of baggage like it became a viral trend and it became I think you could say, like, effective because it was addressing something so blatantly that people just really were not talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, like, on the one hand, like, a generational gap will always exist between, like, you know, older generations and younger generations, but, like, also the current <laughs> with these baby boomers yes. um, and like the current situation that we are in as a generation right with like climate change with student debt uh with the current like gun violence that's going on with the just the news cycle in general with technology and like just the overdrive of technology um with the mental health crises that are going on like it's a lot for our generation to kind of have on our plate um, and so like what we're experiencing now is kind of this amplified version of this generational gap where it's also based on like just the economics of it and our political climate and like the way generation z like w- the way we've been shaped yeah um i think there's also like a giant gap 
and I think this is the first time like we're in a brand new time where there is a giant gap between not only like the way that we're maybe like interpreting the news and the way that like like what what Gen Z and not to be like not to stereotype entire generations but when mm-hmm. like Gen Z reads global warming news um like like we act and like we've organized like through like at least climate strike washington has organized i think three strikes this year i think the entire national organization there's a strike in september there's a strike Mm -hmm. in march and then there's going to be one um or i guess this is airing after but there was one uh, december 6th and the day after thanksgiving on black friday november 29th um and so there's just this entire so there's like a like a gap between like the way that we read news and or the way that we react to news but there's like a greater (laughs) gap around the way we read news and so like like right now like I think a lot of young people are getting news from well a from social media but like there's a viral or not viral (laughs) I'm gonna sound really ancient when I say this because I don't really use snapchat much but it's called um okay America wait no what's it called do you know what it's called it's this news show (laughs) oh it's called good luck America and it's like a Snapchat story um, that basically just like reports the news. Um, but I know a lot of my friends who like are not that political actually watch it. And it has a lot of viewers. Like there was um, a viral story in the Washington Post about it because Pete Buttigieg was interviewed on this Snapchat show. And he said some mm-hmm. stuff about Elizabeth Warren and then it, it caught on. But it was so and then like and then like baby boomers are watching fox news and like and Mm -hmm. not just fox news but just cable television in general and like i do not know a single person in my generation who comes home from school like or comes home from sports and at 8 p.m while making dinner like turns on fox news or anything Mm -hmm. um and i think that's that is something that we're having to struggle with and like grapple with for the first time because everyone used to just have a newspaper delivered to their house every Sunday and that was how Mm -hmm. everyone got the news and whether you were a Democrat or a Republican like it didn't it didn't change the facts that you were reading at the beginning of the day when you woke up Mm -hmm. but I think for the first time that is becoming a problem not just with like the denigration of facts and like the belief of facts in general which is like a giant problem but also just the way that we interpret them and act and and the value I guess that's put on them is really what I'm trying to say is like like how important is global warming to you well to gen z it's a lot more important Mm -hmm. absolutely so it's like there's communication barriers and like this communication gap and there's like our our attitudes um that are kind of different and there's also just like the economic political circumstances that are so different just drastically um, different how we no I so, so I was literally talking to my grandma about college the other day and she was mm-hmm. like I was talking to her about it and she was like you know like I was able to go to college for four years for eight semesters and um I think she went on like a trip like a vacation like with her friends like maybe like I, I think it was like I don't know like somewhere near the end and she was able to like take a bus home to her parents house or maybe the, yeah and she was able to like take a bus home to her parents house Um, while like living at the dorms I think and um, like she's able to do all of that like every weekend or whatever and she's able to do all of that for like a thousand (laughs) dollars or something oh my goodness and like for four years of college and vacations and food and housing and it's just it's like Elizabeth Warren too it talks about this on the campaign trail she was able to like enroll in a college that was 50 50 dollars a semester and Mm -hmm. it's just like the economic the just everything is and like we're us and millennials are the first generation well I think some some gen 
Gen X kids, but like adults, but like we're the first generation where like every person is leaving college with a significant amount of debt, unless your Mm -hmm. family is extremely wealthy, but like, like very wealthy, like everyone is leaving with a significant amount of debt. And I think that Mm -hmm. is, is also just like another base where like, like we're not even like at the same level as like, it's not like we're all like, again, like it's just, it's not like we're all just like reading the news and choosing Mm -hmm. to like support a certain party or like to support a certain issue like we're we're coming from such different places i think the gap mm-hmm. is just ginormous which makes it all the harder <laughs> to organize mm-hmm. and agree with and partner with them yeah well um i have like two things on that so one yeah. um our generation is actually the first generation that like our financial prospects are worse than our parents um and like that's a yeah. fact like it's like we're like we're expected to have a, a poorer quality of life than our parents did. Um, and so it's not, we're not like in this constant state of like financial, like upward mobility anymore as a country. Um, and so like, that's a reality of our situation. Uh, and that's like so different. And then yeah. I think the second thing is also like, even though there is this generational gap, I think there are some really powerful um, ways that we can work across generations to form intergenerational movements uh and i think we see that sometimes with within the environmental movement i know that and the like even just political organizing like you said before there are a lot of like older people who are like the most passionate volunteers um yeah. and a lot of those people are also from like the vietnam generation yeah. and they've also grown up doing youth activism and things and like that and the 60s civil rights movement too exactly yeah um and so there is kind of this like reflection um between that generation and our generation now yeah um and like we're able to kind of find this really strong common ground of the experience of being youth activist like that hasn't changed yeah um and youth activism and is, is really new. powerful exactly um and there's also just like like yeah i just feel like there's so much potential for us to be working together because even though there are all these gaps there's also so much that ties us together um, and I know so many older people who have the same like burning passion to do something about the climate crisis uh, and they feel it just maybe just maybe even like as much as young people because they have children and grandchildren who they want to see grow up into like a better future and so even though there are all these dynamics there are definitely ways that we can work around them and work through these barriers in order to create space for a more intergenerational movement across the board. No, I totally agree mm-hmm. with that. Um, mm-hmm. Now that we've laid all the groundwork for what we're about to say, how do we work with older people? <laughs> I think it's a million dollar question. Like, how are we going to make these relationships that seem just on paper kind of impossible? Mm-hmm. work <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah so I think one of the most effective things that I've seen um, is so entering a new space right mm-hmm. let's say um, I, I guess I can just tell my story mm-hmm. so I was working with the New Jersey Student Sustainability Coalition and um, I wanted to get more involved in the general like environmental movement that was going on across the state because there are a lot of these very big green groups um, that have been around for a long time and their membership base is mostly, you know, older, whiter. Um, yes. And 
So it was very different, like me coming in with my student coalition and I'm entering this new space, which is like a coalition that's across the state. It's a statewide coalition that's being led by a lot of these big green groups. And um, at first I went in and I was like, I was the youngest person by like a lot. Um, Yes. Oh my gosh. I've been that before. Oh, yeah, it's like me and then... Oh my gosh, I have a really funny story about this. I went to this event. So I was on this newsletter. Okay, not to like call out Indivisible, um, but people listening may know the organization. I was on the newsletter for a while and they kept having... Like they had consistent meeting events in person at this like building that was like in the central district of Seattle, which is not like the most accessible area. Downtown Mm -hmm. has like the most buses. Um, And so I... They have meetings like every two weeks or whatever, and I was getting them, and I was like, you know what, like I've never been to them, or I've never been to one of their meetings. I've been getting these emails and reminders for like seven or eight weeks, like I've missed a lot of meetings. Why not just go and like try it out? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> why not? And so I show up there, and it's like very, I don't know. I thought it was just sort of awkward when I first walked in because it was just old people. Like it was literally kind of just old people, and yeah, and like again, it was. It was old white people mainly, but like I walked in and they were all just like talking and then there was a sort of silence and we're all looking around and then it just got sort of awkward. And so they're like, how about we all like go around and introduce ourselves? And they went the opposite direction of me. So I was the last person to go. Like I was sitting next to the person mm-hmm. who started it, but they went the other direction. Um, and the, they wanted to say like name and then like, I think it was like what, where you work. I think it was name and where you work. And so the first person went and they're like, oh, like, you know, my name's, or, or no, it was like what you do. And, um, okay, yeah. and so then like, I, um, the first person went and they're like, Hey, like, you know, like my name's whatever. And actually like, I'm retired, so I don't work anymore. And then that, the next person went, Oh, and they were like, yeah. And you're like, I've been retired for like five years. And then the next person went and they're like, Oh, like my name's so-and-so I'm actually also retired. And, uh, I've been retired for 10 years and it was like the next person they're like oh you know like my name's so and so I've only been retired one year and then it was like the next person and they're like my name's so and so I've only been retired like I'm retired I just got retired <laughs> four months ago and then like everyone clapped and they're like oh like congratulations and it got oh to gosh. me and I was like I am the only person not only am I the youngest person in this room I am the youngest person in this room by like 50 years because right? <laughs> no like it was it was literally this mind-blowing moment I was like I am 14 right now and mm-hmm. you like like the average age is maybe like 65 a lot of people retire mm-hmm. at like 75 my grandpa retired and then he went back to working because he liked working um and then he finally like retired for the second time I think he was 72 or 73 like doing mm-hmm. the math in my head like this could be 60 years like I I just had this moment where I was like hi my name's Lila I'm actually in eighth grade (laughs) and it was like oh my gosh oh my god this was last year I just was like oh wow like wow and then well and then here's the thing though is actually it was really nice because we're doing letter writing for this like supreme court election that happened in Wisconsin like it was it was the most like I guess like random thing because like we're in Washington like it was like many states away and just like Mm -hmm. a local election but they were all really nice to me and they're like how do you like school (laughs) and they're all kind of like grandmothers in a way I think they were taking on this kind of grandmothery role for like an hour the two hours that I was there but it was just this moment where I was like we all showed up because we all care about activism but none of you know what okay boomer tiktok is (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> right. Okay. So, like, what would you do in that situation to make it a more effective partnership? Um, well, okay, so I thought they actually made a lot of effort to mm-hmm. um, really, like, explain everything to me. They were very nice about, like, not over-explaining mm-hmm. or explaining it like I didn't understand. Because, like, I think the other thing that they did is, like, they made a really nice assumption in that, like, I, I read the news, which I do. And so when <laughs> they brought up, they're like, we're doing this letter writing campaign for this um, state or state, yeah, it was, like, state Supreme Court of Wisconsin or whatever. I was like, oh, yeah. I've been hearing about that through podcasts or whatever. And they've been like, okay, great. Like no further, no further instructions. Like you understand Mm -hmm. what's going on here. You understand the ramifications. I think there could have been a dangerous slippery slope where they could have just been like, you know what a Supreme court is. Right. And then like, or maybe even like slipped into, like, I I don't even know. I think there could have been, there could have been a dangerous level there, but just the assumption, I mean, going back to what we were saying last episode of like, you can, wait here what was the quote it was like you can only move as fast as you trust move at the speed of your trust yeah um and so there's this trust that like you are just as knowledgeable as us you know what you're doing um and then again like just this like here's exactly how you write this here's exactly how to do this and then we're not going to check in again unless of course you have any questions in which case we'll answer Mm -hmm. but like i think the the overarching thing they did was they just really kind of ignored my age and they treated me like an adult and they were like mm-hmm. you know how to write a letter <laughs> you know how to seal it and you know where to put the stamp on the envelope like we don't need to tell you this stuff yeah you've got this mm-hmm. can I ask have you ever gone back I didn't actually and I kind <laughs> of felt bad but I I felt awkward um mm-hmm. I've been thinking about going back not very seriously but um yeah yeah I don't know I think also, like, mm-hmm. of all the organizations, yeah, I don't know. I had I had mm-hmm. other reservations about that, too, because it was, like, of all the things we're doing, we're writing Supreme Court letters for, I don't know. But right. But I I did feel, I, I think my biggest reservation for going back was just I felt uncomfortable with the age gap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think that's such a great case study in what we're talking about today. Yeah. So <laughs> if, if, if an organization, right, a lot of times I get the question, like, from adult-led orgs, like, how do we get young people on our side? And, like, the, one of the worst examples of this, like, I saw I saw someone on Facebook the other day posting, um, and they were, and they, they messaged uh, the coalition, and they were like, we need kids for a local event. Like, send, like, <laughs> oh, no. Give us contacts for kids, like, in oh, all no. kinds. Um, and I'm just like, okay, first of all, let's just take a step back. Um, let's just take a step back, right? Yeah, there's a <laughs> and, lot um, to unpack like, there. <laughs> yeah, so you see you see all those different things. And I would say, like, if an organization genuinely wants young people to be a part of their organization, young people need to see themselves as leaders, right? Like, think, look at the leadership of the organization. Like, who is it mm-hmm. composed of? Are there yeah. any young people involved in making decisions on behalf of this org? Um, mm-hmm. And if not, that's a clear sign. And yeah. so I would say, like, my number one recommendation for an adult-led org that wants to get youth uh, involved and, like, engaged in a meaningful way is make space for young people to have to be leaders in your organization. Um, and, like, whatever your leadership body is, your governance body, like, make some sort of space to bring young people on. Yeah. Uh, without having, and- yeah, yeah, without having like constraints and like putting expectations on young people to do a certain thing and being willing to like actually give them the power and the authority to uh, to make changes even if it feels a little bit uncomfortable 
No, I totally, I totally agree with that. I also think another thing to unpack there is like the, I guess the idea that they thought just like going on Facebook and being like, we want kids, like is almost like the most like, ex, ex, I don't know if this is like a real word, but like exposative, um, like, I, I guess like exposative motive of really like what they're doing. And like, I think it's, I think it's such a like pure form of like, we're an organization and we want kids so we'll just be like where are kids like generally um yeah like so like I know this um student I think she was running for yeah school board um in in the 2019 elections and she made a point of like reaching out to the march for our lives instagram the because like Mm -hmm. that's like a very clear sign of like you know like these are kids that have experience with this actually and like are involved and then I think she didn't do this well I don't know if she did this but um, I know, like, we were talking about this earlier, like, offering incentives. Because if you want kids to show up somewhere, well, if you want adults to show up somewhere, you're going to pay them or else they aren't going to show up. So shouldn't that be the expectation with kids, too? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I would say, like, that's, like, one of my biggest tips. And then on the other side, the flip side for adult, uh, for young people um, in organizations where they're experiencing it might not be like an upfront like it might not feel like a violation it might not feel like a form of like you know blatant disregard but it might feel like that little uncomfortable feeling of like I feel like I might not belong here no that's I don't exactly how I felt like I was exactly they're doing everything right but I am the only kid here and like this Mm -hmm. just at at a level like it I just don't I don't want to come back. <laughs> yeah. Like, un- in some circumstances, it just makes sense to leave, honestly, um, and, like, not invest your time and your energy into changing a situation. But I would say the best, like, some of the most effective ways I've seen this done is, like, you can find, like, find one person in there who you can actually build a relationship with, like, someone who you can trust. Um, and, like, sometimes there isn't that person, and in that situation, like, it's okay. But sometimes yeah. I've been able to find one person that I can really get to trust. And, like, the way I've done it is, like, have a one-on-one with them outside of the organizational space. Get to know them and introduce yourself and just, like, be honest about your experience. And it's okay to be a little bit vulnerable there um, and talk about, like, what your honest experiences is, are. And then make a suggestion of, oh, like, we should, like, here's my feedback. Um, here's what we could do. Here's, like we can get young people like like i want to help with the leadership of this of this organization or something like that um so i'd say just like yeah find like one trusted ally and that can be really powerful in like transforming a situation because then you can like they'll have your back and you can advocate they can advocate on your behalf as well um and you can actually start to make like systematic changes to the way an organization is set up no, I, I full-heartedly agree with that. That's so important. Um, okay, so this episode is getting pretty long again. <laughs> um, so we're going to be breaking it up into a third and final installment, which will be available next Sunday. Um, if you don't have anything to listen to in the meantime, listen to the last part we released last Sunday. Um, there will be a third installment of this next week. Um, and on that one, we'll be doing a speed round of tips to apply and help yourself. Uh, we'll be recapping everything we talked about on this episode. Um, and we'll be talking about barriers to effective partnerships and dealing with conflict, um, which is pretty inevitable in the activism sphere. <laughs> uh, 
Um, great. Okay. We'll talk to you next Sunday. Bye. Have a good week. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for sticking around and listening to part two of Coalitions and Building Relationships with me and Ananya. I I'm really just so excited about this series in general. It was going to just be one episode, and then we just <laughs> had so much we wanted to talk about that we decided to make it three. Um, but if you are enjoying what you're hearing and you are appreciating the content we are producing, um, please leave a rating and review in the Apple Store. If you're listening to this on Spotify, you're off the hook, but if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, it would just be incredibly appreciated if you could um, share this episode with a friend, follow um, the show's Instagram account down below, um, as well as check out the links, me and Ananya's Instagrams are down below, and tons of resources and information for the stuff that me and Ananya reference in the episode. Uh, so check that all down below, and remember to leave a rating and review, and share this with a friend who you think might like it. Talk to you next week.